Welcome back to Tea Time Reports, everybody. Today, it's Brandon with you once again, bringing you episode number seven of the Windy City Reports installment here on the show. And man, have I never been so miserable in my lifetime being a sports fan, being a Bears fan. Not even from just weekend alone. So I am a Notre Dame Fighting Irish fan as well. And... I'm sure you saw it. It was one of the most college, most watched college football games of all time this past Saturday night. Notre Dame hosting Ohio State in a game that they just completely fucking blew. It was fourth down stop after fourth down stop. Instant classic that game was. And the two biggest plays of the game, we had 10 men on the field after giving up a third and 19 completion to the one-yard line. It, Man, those last five minutes were just so fucking painful to watch. Then just to transition into Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs on national television on Fox. Well, for the first half at least. Yep, that's just how bad it was. It was that bad to where Fox literally slated us, slated us off the national showing for Fox at halftime. It was 34 nothing at halftime. The other game on Fox at 4 o'clock um, was... Dallas on the road at Arizona, and they put that on the national slate after halftime and just kicked the Bears and the Chiefs game off of national television. That's just how bad it was. That's just how much of a um, uncompetitive game that was. It, it was tough. But before we get into that, I still need to touch on the Bears and Bucks game. Um, there's just been so much going on in life, and it's just with the Bears as well. I never got out that episode after the Bucks game, but... I've also just had to sit on everything that's been happening, not only on the field with this Bears team, but off the field with this Bears team as well. But a game in Tampa, which we lost 27-17, to which I was in attendance at. Make sure you stay tuned to the Instagram, TikTok, Threads, Twitter, YouTube as well. I'm going to be getting some nice content out from that game in Tampa at Raymond James Stadium on our socials. So make sure you check that out. But like I said, took place in Tampa, a very, very hot Tampa Florida day. Um, I still have a nice tan line from wearing my adjustable hat backwards for the first half plus. And if you know Raymond James Stadium, there is absolutely no shade, absolutely no overhang, no cover at all. You're just melting in the sun. And mind you, I was about seven, eight shots in, forgot to wear sunscreen, didn't really feel it till afterwards. But that sun was just melting on my face. I had a nice tan line for my hat. So it was just like a nice pale line across the middle of my forehead. And a nice burnt little like ovular type of shape. Yeah, it was bad. My nose was fucked up. My arms, nice little farmer tan. All to watch my team lose. Like I said, 27-17. to 17. In a game that was close up until the last two minutes. It wasn't as close as the store line might have projected it, honestly. Um, Bears got out to a great start. It was leading actually seven to three after the first quarter. It was a great, great first drive. Then we just absolutely went away from it. Um, just to give you an idea of the coaching staff, Roshan Johnson on his first carry or second carry busted open a 29-yard run. Only got like two more carries the rest of the game after that. Also called three screen passes in a row. One of them, which led to a pick six from Shaq Barrett, which he dedicated to his um, lost daughter. Shout out to him and RIP to her as well. I've always loved Shaq Barrett. You'd love to see that, even though it is against my Bears, and it did seal the victory. But like I said, it was a very close game, 
It was 20 to 17 within the last two minutes with the Bears having a chance to drive 90 plus yards down the field, which led to, like I said, three straight stream passes and one that led to Shaq Barrett's pick six and, and to where Levante David and the Bucks defense came out afterwards saying that they knew the play call the whole time from what they lined up in and the, the cadences that the offense was giving off. They knew exactly what play was coming there and obviously you can see that amounted to exactly something that would happen when you know exactly what's going to be called. It's like when you're in Madden and you have the momentum factor or the X factor on and you can see the offensive plays highlighted receiver or the first read or you can see the defense's play chart. So that's pretty much what they had going on for Justin Fields that day. But it was still overall a very, very rough day. Um, DJ Moore got a lot more involved, which you like to see. Chase Claypool caught a touchdown, which was a good touchdown. Also had a couple drops. I mean, he was targeted eight times, only had three receptions. DJ Moore caught six of his seven targets for 104 yards, so he continues to own the Buccaneers. That's something that we knew coming in, and that was the only thing that actually lived up to the hype and my predictions in that game, um, and other than the fact that we weren't going to get blown out like everybody else was projecting us to. But it's just it's a shame. I really did feel like this was a game that the Bears could have won and needed to win, not only after the Week 1 performance, but also heading into Arrowhead. The very next week, which I'll get into momentarily, Mike Evans had one of the best games of his career against us, and Tyreek Stevenson just sort of grown-manned him and really welcomed Tyreek Stevenson into the league. Got a bullshit penalty, or missed penalty, um, in that game on Mike Evans' big play on his 70-yard pass. But other than that, Rashad White diced us up, had over 100 yards of offense and a touchdown. And we really didn't have many positives other than that. Justin Fields with another two picks, both in garbage time. That pick six that I said on the screen. And another one that he forced. And Claypool really should have made the play on it and caught it, but he didn't. Baker Mayfield looked really good, unfortunately. His QBR was only 69, but his rating was 114.5. He completed 26 of 34 passes, 317 yards, and had a touchdown. Baker's just doing what he needs to do in that offense with the weapons he has. He has a first ballot Hall of Famer at his disposal on Mike Evans and a true sure-handed number one receiver and Chris Godwin as well and he's playing smart he's not turning the ball over and he's doing exactly what you need to do as far as trying to revitalize your career like he is and what you need to do as far as just being a quarterback in that system and playing that position accordingly Jermaine Edmonds had a good had a good game on the stat line at least so did TJ Edwards both double-digit tackles Greg Stroman actually did look pretty good Playing in, playing in for Kyler Gordon, tackle for a loss, seven tackles. Tyree Stevenson as well. We already know about his physicality and his just his gravitation towards the ball and just any given play. Another six tackles. Taquan Brisker was in and out, had five tackles and a pass deflection, but zero sacks. Once again, we were getting a little bit more pressure than week one, but didn't amount to anything. Baker was making some good plays. On the other hand, the Bucks had six sacks on us. So once again. Same exact results, week in and week out. And not the result that you wanted to see heading into a week three matchup against the Chiefs and Arrowhead, which we'll transition into and quite honestly ended the worst week in Chicago Bears history and the worst week a team can really ever imagine. Um, from the Allen Williams situation, news coming out, his house was raided by the FBI. 
reports were saying that Hallows Hall was raided as well. That came out to be false as well. But some some reports were saying it was false about Alan Williams' house as well. I believe that is true. And it's it's a very touchy subject, very controversial subject, but for very inappropriate and just absolutely fucked up things. And if it is true, he deserves nothing less to, than to be rotten in a cell. But then there's other reports saying that it has to do with his health and family matters as well. But then some of the bigger names in sports media came out saying it had to do with like inappropriate action or something like that. And the FBI doesn't raid your house and you don't give your letter of resignation for just some minor inappropriate action. That's child porn. And it really made you wonder what the fuck was going on. And you just hope that there was nothing else internally going on. And it just, unfortunately, it just brings all the eyes and ears and all the questions to the organization as a whole. Then come to find out, I think it was Wednesday, during the week to Thursday, fucking House Hall and Bears headquarters was broken into. And over $100,000 of equipment was stolen. How does that happen in an NFL facility? And Nathan Peterman got re released, and I saw something that he got brought back. I'm not too sure how accurate that is or not, but then Nate Davis was out. Eddie Jackson was out. Braxton Jones goes on IR. Justin Fields calls out the coaches, pretty much. He didn't really call out the coaches. It was just something that media just sort of inflated to the next level, like they always do for clicks. And also mixed with Fields just not choosing his words wisely, but he was pretty much just asked, like, what does he feel like is attributed to his start and why he isn't playing this name or isn't as comfortable and he said coaching. He sort of started it off by saying it starts on me and I'm not processing and understanding things the way I should be at this position and this point of my career or something along those lines. But the first thing he said was coaching and pretty much was just saying that the coaching that he's receiving is putting him in a position where he's not fully comprehensive with what he's trying to do or what he's being expected to do and it's just taking him out of his element it's taking him out of his technique you can see it in his just simple three-step dropbacks he's bouncing all around the pocket that's set, not setting his feet he can't make a decision and it was just misconstrued to be he was blaming the coaches on why he's doing bad and that wasn't it at all and he had to come out and refrain and retract some of his statements and say this and that like he's supposed to and it just became a huge debacle and now all of a sudden all the eyes and ears and all that adversity and controversy is coming to the Bears now. And it's just one thing after another. But yeah, Alan Williams resigned. So Iberflus is continuing to pick up on the defensive play calling. I'll get into that a little bit. It's just one thing after another. Then, of course, we have to end the week going into Arrowhead. Where we lost 41-10. to It was 41 nothing going into the fourth quarter. 41 nothing going into the fourth quarter. Like I said, it was 34 nothing at halftime, and Fox slated us off of national television. Justin Fields, for the fourth time in his career, had less than 100 passing yards, was 11 for 22, 99 yards, one touchdown, one pick, got sacked three more times. Had 11 carries, so the fact that he had over 10 carries shows you a little bit of something, but what did it amount to? Nothing. It, we were promised he was going to get more carries and more design runs, and it was still nothing that was very creative at all, and you could tell when it was going to happen, and when it did happen, it amounted to nothing. Nothing at all. The fact that Roshan Johnson out-carried Khalil Herbert is something that raises your eyebrows, 
DJ Moore with three catches, 41 yards, and a touchdown. His first touchdown in a Bears uniform. Should have had another long reception that was just a beautiful, beautiful throw by Justin that just went right through DJ's hands, actually right through his hands, and hit his knee. It was honestly something that you do not expect to see out of DJ Moore and something you've seen out of DJ Moore as far as him making those catches his whole career, which was, which was nuts. Then, of course... The whole Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift thing was going on. Taylor Swift was in attendance. She was in the press box or in the suite box with Travis Kelsey's family. And, it, of course, whenever that got announced, I'm like, yeah, this this was going to be bad. And me coming in, once again, I ate my words. I thought this game was going to be a lot closer than people expected. Still thought we were going to lose with, like, two touchdowns, but was not going to be the way it was. And, yeah... Once Taylor Swift just sort of put the icing on the cake, and Travis Kelsey was obviously going to ball out for Taylor. Seven catches, 69 yards, and a touchdown. Rasheed, Rasheed Rice looked pretty good as well. Notched seven targets for Mahomes. Isaiah Pacheco, four yards a carry, 62 yards, and a touchdown. Edwards Hilaire had a touchdown on the ground as well. Mahomes with three touchdowns to the air. Just overall domination. Khalil Herbert also lost a fumble. One thing that did catch my eye, Terrell Smith, the rookie cornerback, played very, very well. As far as the stat line goes, I'd have to go back and watch the tape as far as coverage and whatnot. But 10 tackles, one tackle for a loss, one pass deflection. TJ Edwards, 17 total tackles, two tackles for a loss. Jalen Jones had a decent game. Noah Sewell got a lot of involvement, like you, what you like to see. Javon Dexter had three tackles. Jack Sanborn had a pick against Chad Henney. Quindell Johnson also had a pick against Chad Henney. I'd like to see that because I'm a big Quindell Johnson fan. Rookie, we got off um, the Rams practice squad. I think they actually let him clear waivers or something like that. But other than that, really just not much to talk about. Just one way to end uh, one of the worst weeks that you'll ever see. And it makes you question, is this the worst Chicago Bears team that we've ever seen ever it is in my it is in my lifetime it it really is the worst team followed up with the worst of the week it just goes hand in hand now we go in to a Denver Bronco matchup next week after they just gave up 70 fucking points to Miami I really have no idea what to think of this game and they're still favored to beat us they're favored to beat us by three and I think we're home in Chicago as underdogs after they just lost by 50 points and got 70 put up on them that just shows you how bad the Chicago Bears team is and they've done nothing but make me just eat my words all season whether it's Eberflus from the start I mean the very first episode of this installment I based it around clowning this guy for ranking Eberflus at number 32 on the head coach power rankings and I've just ate every single fucking word since then I said the Bears are going to come out and beat Green Bay at home week one. Ate those words. I said they were going to beat Tampa. Ate those words. I said this game was going to be a lot closer against Kansas City. Ate those words. Man, is it so much fucking fun being a Bears team. But this Bears team really does put in perspective a lot of Chicago Bears uh, teams in history. And especially for me in my lifetime and what I've been able to witness. Unfortunately, being a Bears fan. You know, this is up there. At the top. 
for the worst. It really is. And let me just let me just list off year to year from what I've sort of had to deal with, along with all you fellow Bears fans out there. 2013, fourth down and eight. Week 17, Aaron Rodgers to Randall Cobb. Touchdown to claim the NFC North title in that year. And I think knock us out of the playoffs because the winner of that game won the division and was going into the playoffs. And it was fourth down and eight at Soldier Field. Week 17, 46 seconds left in the game. Midfield, Aaron Rodgers with Julius Peppers in his grill makes a miss, rolls out to his left. Turns his body, throws a dot to Randall Cobb wide open, who just beat Chris Conti over the top for the game-winning touchdown and knocks us out of the playoffs. 2014, the whole Jay Cutler and the offensive coordinator, Cromer, Cromer, Aaron Cromer disaster, I'm sorry, when he was pretty much just anonymously shitting on Jay Cutler and throwing him under the bus, and that just became a huge thing that just derailed that season. And then... You move on, bypass 2015, move on to 2016, the Bears go 3-13. and 13. The very next year, 2017, we draft Mitchell Trubisky over Pat Mahomes. We move up one spot with the Niners and take a quarterback that was going to be there anyways and lost another pick to take Mitchell Trubisky. 2018, the double doink. 2019, 2020, just the whole fallout between Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky in general where neither of them liked each other. Trubisky was just getting thrown under the bus week in, week out. Nagy was just a shitty coach and making all these just asinine and just mind-blowing statements about his team, about the game, about preparation. It's just You're just sitting there scratching your head. How is this guy a head coach? Then 2022, you have 3-14. and 14. And this year, there's really no other way to put it besides just absolute and utter chaos. You know, especially with all the hype, all of the hype that went into this year as well. It's just absolutely mind-blowing. Then, oh yeah, then just adding on to that chaos, you saw the clip from the Bucks game where Devin White is saying, yo, I miss playing against you, go-go gadget. I miss tackling you, go-go gadget. Go-go gadget implying that he's just a fucking beast on there on the football field and it's a challenge for Devin White a very good linebacker to tackle him and Devin White proceeds to say they ain't using you right and who knows if it's really what was said or not but it picked up from DJ Moore oh tell me about it that's exactly what you do not want to see week two this early as well maybe like week 14 and he's just really isn't being used or involved but still this early this with all the excitement and optimism and build-up and coverage that went into it, it's just really set us up for so much failure and demise. And look, week one was not on fields. Weeks two and three were more so on fields. At this point, I'm just convinced no matter what the quarterback is or who the quarterback is in this offense, they're going to be set up for failure and they're never going to be great. And with that being said, I don't even want Caleb Williams, honestly. If I was a fan of any other team, I would not be saying that. <laughs> if I'm a Bucks fan, I want Caleb Williams. If I'm a Cardinals fan, I want Caleb Williams. You know? It's, dude. If And we're going to have two top five picks this year, most likely. The two worst teams in all of football right now are the Bears and the Panthers. And we have the Panthers pick, and we still have our pick. We could have two top three, two top five picks. 
I would much rather go like a Marvin Harrison and the tackle from Penn State or preferably Joe Alt, the left tackle from Notre Dame, than getting like a Sam Hartman in the third, second, third round or something like that, then seeing where that goes. You know what I'm saying? Because we're still probably going to have fields for one more year. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to be this bad all year. I really don't. I think we still will see glimpses of fields that we saw last year that make you think like, damn, maybe he could be. I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying that's what will happen. Then we will be with him for one more year because we did pick up on his option. Then we let a Sam Hartman or someone like that sort of sit there for a year and actually be someone that this regime picks and wants to build and was actually like handpicked by the staff, you know. And there's a little bit of bias in that, me being a Notre Dame fan. But I would love that. Having Joe Alt, I think the best offensive lineman in all of college football, that's always a plus. We still need the left side of the O-line solidified. Braxton Jones had a great rookie season. Very, very subpar a couple games before he got hurt, and that was on the IR. Darnell Wright is there, and he's there to stay. There's been a lot of hate taking or talking about, oh, you took him over Jalen Carter, blah, blah, blah. So did eight other teams. Took someone else over Jalen Carter. Stop acting like Darnell Wright is not bad. He's been our best offensive lineman through these first three games, which is kind of sad, you know. But then getting a Marvin Harrison Jr. as well, generational talent, best overall player in all of college football and coming out of the draft, in my opinion. Then we look at the quarterback position because then we truly, truly have – everything on that offensive side. We have running back, we have receivers, DJ Moore, Marvin Harrison Jr. Cole Komet's still there at tight end. We got both sides of the offensive line solidified, and now we just need that quarterback. We would be sort of in that Jets position. Well, eh, never mind. Let me take that back, but you know what I'm saying. Other than that, though, I think, I really do think this is the worst Bears team that I've ever seen in my life. Going back to all those years and situations that I've sort of just lived through and you guys have lived through as well, being Bears fans. I mean, it says it all, the fact that we're still underdogs against this Broncos team that just put up 70 points. Another thing is, too, is that all the media, all the mainstream sports media is taking notice of this now. Um, Greeny, Mike Greenbirds on Get Up, calling out the Bears organization and coaching staff in the mornings now, ruining Justin Fields' talent and this and that. Stephen A. Smith is calling the Bears trash and saying that brother as in Justin Fields needs to get up out of there. Everyone's putting out these trade predictions now, sending Justin Fields to the Jets, and Dan Patrick's talking about the Bears and Justin Fields almost every morning now on his show, and it's just not what we needed as a fan base, as a team, as an organization. It's just feeding into all the negativity that already just haunts us as a whole, being Bears fans. And But just going back to like not getting Williams, like look at year in and year out the coaches that are put in position by the ownership of this team Matt Nagy coaching Tabisky coaching Fields Luke Getze Matt Eberflus coaching Justin Fields like these we're, it starts from the top bottom we're not even putting the right people in position to succeed we have new players than we do last year and everything's the same if not worse what does that tell you about the coaching what does that tell you about the upper management what does that tell you about the ownership I'm still dying on a hill by Ryan Poles being the only mine of competence in the front office and the organization as a whole and Kevin Warren. I, I have a lot of faith in those two and that's why I have a lot of optimism about the future of this team 
And once you really like take yourself away from all the negativity and all the negative emotions that are surrounding this season right now for, throughout these first three weeks and throughout this 13-game win streak where we've let up 25 points or more in every single one of those 13 games and all three games this season that we've lost have all been by double digits, is that throughout these first three games, our brightest spot in every game so far has been one rookie or another, or a lot of the bright spots have been from rookies. Like I said earlier, we still have a lot of draft, cap draft capital. A lot of draft capital. We could potentially have two top five picks. Justin Fields will most likely be out of here the next year or so. And then we really get to see this front office and this regime take a quarterback of their choice and see where that takes us. And we still have DJ Moore. He's going to be here for a while. We still have a lot of players that we're going to be sort of retaining for a long time. And that includes Tyree Stevenson, Jaquan Brisker, Roshan Johnson, Tyler Scott, Cole Komet, Tyson Badgett, Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, Jack Sanborn, Kyler Gordon, Noah Sewell, um, Darnell Wright, of course, you know, like Javon Dexter. These are all pieces that are very solid pieces that I really feel like you can build around. And a lot of people in the NFL as a whole, I, I truly think would feel the same way about these pieces. You just got to get the right people in there to manage them and get the most out of them and put them in the right positions to succeed. And with the draft capital we have, we can even build around that more. So I have no doubt in my mind that something like that will happen. But what I do have doubt in my mind that something will happen is Justin Fields saying that all we need is get one win going and we can still make the playoffs pretty much, referring to the one and six Lions last year that didn't even make the playoffs still. They almost made the playoffs, and that's what he banked it off of, which just makes you scratch your head some more and doesn't put any more faith in you <laughs> as a Bears fan. Um, but it's just... It's just really showing you that this team is struggling to find any type of silver lining or anything like that based off everything that's going on. I mean, after the Chiefs game, Justin Fields was pretty much converting to, or not converting, saying he already has it, but was just subjecting himself to religion <laughs> to answer a question about what he's learned throughout the first three weeks. Talking about it's really put life in perspective and the things that matter and this and that. You can just tell how defeated he is because he's a winner. Everywhere he's gone, he's been a winner and a humble winner. And he doesn't like this. He doesn't have the mental toughness for this yet, unfortunately. And it's just really taking a wear and tear on him. And you can see that. Another interesting stat I wanted to touch on. Shout out to Upper Hand Chicago on Instagram for this stat. It's the weekly passing depth charts for the Chicago Bears um, throughout week one, two, and three. And the depth of the passing from the line of scrimmage. So behind the line of scrimmage, in the first three weeks, we have a total of 17 passes. So screens or little rollouts or flats that were thrown behind the line of scrimmage. Short passes from zero yards to nine yards from the line of scrimmage. We have 22, or I'm sorry, we have 39. We had 22 in week one, 11 in week two, six in week three. Medium depth passes from 10 yards to 19 yards down the field. We only have nine. And deep passes 20 yards or more down the field, we have 14. 50% of our passes are short passes within 0 to 9 yards. 22% are behind the line of scrimmage. 18% are deep, 20 yards or more. 11% are medium. And this is also broken down on a week-to-week -week basis as well. So like I said, 18% of our passes are 20 yards down the field. 
eight of those, so over half of those were just in week three alone. Week one and week two combined, we only had six throws, 20 yards or more. That's just not going to get it done, and that's just not going to be putting Fields in a position to really show off what he can do. And the fact that we only have nine medium passes, 10 to 19 yards down the field in three weeks is insane. 39 passes and 17 passes, all either behind the line or zero to nine yards. It's just crazy that 61%, 62% of our pass plays are nine yards or shorter from the line of scrimmage. It's just insane. And it just really makes you wonder, like, is it, Really, the coaching staff, in reality, it's a little bit of everything. But the coaching staff does not help at all. Matt Eberflus is 10 years as a head coach with the Bears. He's 3-14 and 14 last season, 0-3 oh this season. Worst defense in the NFL over the last two seasons. Has a 13-game losing streak. Like I said, all three this season were by double digits. So with that being said, I want to give some head coach potentials that I feel like will be potentials, and I'll say who I want. Um, I think Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator from the Detroit Lions, will be one. Eric Bieniemy, only after one season in Washington, I think will be a candidate. Dan Quinn, Brian Johnson, offensive coordinator for the Eagles. Brian Callahan, offensive coordinator for the Bengals. And Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator for the Chargers, will all be in line. I think as candidates for the Bears this season. I think Dan, Dan Quinn is somebody that I would really, really like. But at the same time, we can't keep going defensive. I think Eric Bieniemy is a very, very interesting hire. And he would be linked to Ryan Poles. So that would be the one I would look out for. And that would actually be the one that I would want out of everybody that I've sort of stated. I wouldn't mind Brian Callahan as well. But I think Eric Bieniemy would be someone I would lean more towards. And another stat I want to put out there. The Bears defense over the last two seasons combined under head coach Matt Eberflus. 32nd in EPA in play per play, 32nd in dropback EPA play, 32nd in pressure rate, 32nd in pressure rate with four-man rush, 32nd in sacks per game, 32nd in yards conceded per coverage snap. That's a whole lot of 32nd. He needs to go, and he needs to go fast before it's too bad and before it's too late. That's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you check out all those socials I dropped earlier in the episode at T-Times Reports. And thank you so much again for joining in. I really do appreciate it. The love has been awesome. And it's pretty much the only positive out of covering this Bears team for the most part, you know. But as always, bear the fuck down and take care.